Hey everyone, you're listening to Pistons in Prosecco, a podcast dedicated to showcasing awesome wedding vendors and providing a behind-the-scenes look at the wedding industry. I'm your host, Bryce Bjornsson, owner of Jack's 47. We create a better experience for your guests by serving delicious drinks on draft with style. Today we have Megan Culkin with Magnolia Collective. They do event planning, they do design, they have multiple planners, and I've had the pleasure of working with Megan both at a wedding um, and having her in the tasting room, and now she's on the podcast, so she has checked the trifecta of Jack's 47 interactions. <laughs> Megan, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I, I love the idea of the collective, um, having multiple folks on the team, kind of growing outside of yourself. Obviously, I've done the same with my multiple bars and team of bartenders. Um, so, you know, I'd love to talk more about that. But before we get started, this podcast is called Pistons and Prosecco. So I want to know what your favorite beverage is. What do you like to yeah, drink these definitely. days? Um, I go back and forth. Um, I was the type of person I always said I didn't like gin, but I always liked the flavor profiles of gin cocktails. So I kind of had to kind of get graduate into it. So um, things like Bee's Knees or Tom Collins, if they're like a flavored Tom Collins, like a lavender or a rosemary or something to offset a little bit of the gin. Um, but I don't like anything sweet. So um, I had when we were at the tasting room, I had that bourbon cider and that was really good because um, it's just not overly sweet. Um, but I generally, I, I err on the side of, of a gin cocktail for sure. Nice. Yeah, no, I, that's something we pride ourselves on is making balanced cocktails uh, because I've had some apple cider cocktails that are just cloyingly sweet, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. so um, so I'm, I appreciate that you recognize that. Uh, so in regards to gin, like are you so do you like a Negroni or is that too? It's sweet a little bit too much. Yeah. yeah so um, yeah. It, it kind of depends on um, my parents um, managed a bar when I was growing up. My dad's a chef. So, um, I like have always looked at kind of the composition of everything. So if it's the, the cocktail on its, on its own or as like a signature drink, or when you're plating a meal, like when he does chef dinners, it's all about like what the drink is going to complement. you know, the, mm -hmm. the total meal. So a lot of times if it's too, um, overpowering for me, I have to take a step back. Cause it's hard for me to be like, when would I drink this? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, um, a lot of times, like I, I will pick a drink and then kind of ride it through the night. You know what I mean? Like, got um, got so something a little bit like more easy drinking that I can just kind of coast through. Yeah. Well, we did make a lavender Collins for a wedding once as a signature cocktail. So people, people love doing that. And, um, yeah. That's about, <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Uh, well, Megan, um, let's, let's kind of start out with, you know, what Magnolia Collective does. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of planners are one off. It's, it's them, it's their name and it's just them. Maybe they have an assistant, but you have a team of folks, right? Um, are they all in Raleigh or are they all over the state? Tell us more about where yeah, they are so and what they do. Um, we are, um, Magnolia Collective. Um, I started, nine years ago and it was just me. Um, but I am good, bad, and indifferent, horrible at turning people away and saying no. So I started growing a team pretty early on. 
Um, and it, we really started as girls who I had gone to college with. I went to UNCW, um, and who were either involved in student affairs with me there or were in my sorority who I had kind of worked with, but didn't necessarily go to school like I did for events. Um, but it was just kind of picking them up where they were at, you know, like one was still in Wilmington. I was like, great, we're still doing events there. I could really use your help. One had moved to Cary. I was like, perfect. That's great. You know, like, um, and over the years we've, um, paired up with East Carolina university and I get a lot of their interns and four of my seven lead planners are now, they were formerly interns with us like three years ago, um, and stuck with us, but they were at college at, in Greenville, but they're not from Greenville, you know? So kind of feeding into that, it was like, um, Julia, who was our latest intern is from Asheville and, um, you know, Katie lives in Kinston, which is more Eastern North Carolina. So we just have everyone, um, you know, they're free to move back wherever they are, but I, I kind of equate them more as like a Mary Kay consultant, you know, that they would kind of, they control a little bit more of their own territory. Um, if there's a venue that opens up down the road from their from where they live and they want to go, they don't need me there. They can just kind of do it, um, make those relationships and stuff. Um, and we all come together to work, um, events and create schedules and do all of those kind of things, but it gives everybody a little bit more freedom for like, if a couple is really boho and wants to get married on the side of a mountain, there's a planner for that versus, the girl who wants 300 people at a ballroom is going to want a different wedding planner, you know, but we, we kind of try and make sure that we've got a little bit of everyone so that everybody feels welcome. And no one feels like, wow, you really went all in on this wedding. And like, I made you feel a little bit uncomfortable because my ideas were different, you know? So, so you do have a wide range of planners to serve, a wide range of couples. So instead of being like super niche or niche, however you say it these days, <laughs> you kind of not necessarily a catch all, right? Cause that's not, I would never say that any of us is, is that, but you are um, prepared to take on a diverse group of clients. Definitely. I knew that I couldn't do everything really well, but I could, I could get people who could, you know what I mean? Mm. Like there was going to be um, like, even if it's just the world of like logistics versus design, you know, like Emily on our team is one of the best designers I know. So like, um, if there's something that comes out and I'm like, wow, that's incredible. You really need to work with her, you know, like she'll get you to where you're going rather than saying like, I've got to have a hand in every single project that we do. Um, because the girls are a lot of things. They're just better than I am at them and that's why they're on the team. Mm, I love that. I, it's hard to let go of control. I think for a lot of small business owners, because they started by themselves and I think you have to have a certain amount of ego <laughs> to start a, a company, right? Yeah. A business. And so to let go of that is almost like a graduation, right? Like you're, <laughs> you're graduating the solopreneur mindset and you're saying, Hey, I've built a brand that values certain things and other people can represent that. I'm not one of a kind necessarily, right? Which is, we're all one of a kind. I get it. But um, to take on other people 
and have them represent your company alone, I think is a big step. And I'm glad that you made that jump because <laughs> I think it's really the way for a lot of folks to continue their business. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of companies start in this, this industry and they shut down after a few years because they, they burn out, you know, because they're doing everything by themselves. Sure. So, you know, congratulations for you for moving in that direction. Uh, I, I'm just curious how the internship thing worked out or how, how that even started, how it works. Um, how do you vet those folks? How do you have a training program that they all go through initially or do they just hop on board and you teach them as they go? So it's a combination of the two. So ECU has a hospitality management program. Um, and so the interns are going in for restaurant hotel management, or they want to do weddings and events. Um, and they're all like junior level by the time they get to me, um, they have to complete a 400 hour internship. So it's set up to be like, Oh, it's a nine to five, 10 week program. And I was like, yeah, we don't do nine to five, you know, like, and if you come to us in the summer, May is halfway done. June's probably busy, but July and August, it's a thousand degrees. So we're probably not doing that much. Mm -hmm. So we, we do it like a semester end of summer and spread them out that way. So it's like they sign up for the class. Um, I have a, we probably have anywhere from like 10 to 20 people who want to intern every year. Um, and we'll take two, one for the first semester and one for the second. Um, so like we'll onboard them, but then it's like, we give them the schedule and it's, these are all of the events, but then also these are going to be the projects that you need to work on, whether that be like getting Pinterest under control or, you know, like organizing the office or doing like, you know, kind of more of the brass tacks, not mm -hmm. as fun portions that they still need to know as a part of it, you know? Um, and then with us having a team, it's also really important for them to learn, not just from me, you know, but like when I'm going through to make sure, okay, well, Savannah's a very different planner than Kendall, than Katie, than Elizabeth. So I want them to have exposure to all of them when I'm not there so that they can learn from them instead of just like coming back straight to me, you know? Um, and then we'll allow them like once they're done with the internship, assuming everything went well, then they can start assisting on weddings, like, um, just as a, a second, you know, mm -hmm. um, for a wedding day. Um, and if they were really, um, once we feel like kind of, they've kind of gotten checked off by all of the planners of like, yeah, no, she really stepped up when we needed her or, she really saved the day on this, or I didn't even think about that. You know, we kind of have just that working knowledge of um, those courage under fire moments of like, yeah, okay. They're, they're really comfortable with parents. Now they're also really comfortable with bridal party. They're fine talking to vendors. They, they thought about this when nobody else did, you know, like um, that's when we start kind of like training them more for um, in the event of like moving into a, a planner role where they would be on their own. Yeah. And you said that many of those have moved into. Yeah. Um, lead three, let me see. Audrey is a, is a lead planner. Now Elizabeth and Katie are all lead planners. Now, um, Julia, who was our most recent intern actually 
is one of our brides um, for 2022, but she is moving back to Asheville um, and just got a job. She'll help us, you know, when we're in the Asheville area. Um, but she just got a job at the venue. Um, so mm. she'll be doing um, like venue management stuff um, there too. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's cool. And, and it's a good experience for like us to get everybody um, and learn like where they're coming from. Cause a lot of times like um, Audrey's very interested in more like the food sales side of things. So her nine to five is working with a catering company. Whereas Elizabeth loves the design. So she has a rental company, you know? And so it's cool to see like all of the things that they learn um, under the umbrella working with us. And then like kind of where they go out on their own to say, yes, I still want to do this, but like, this is also, you know, what I'm going to supplement in my, in, in my downtime. Oh, interesting. Um, so some of them have either other jobs or other businesses that relate to the wedding industry. Yeah. 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 I like that. What do you think the most important quality is of a wedding planner when it comes to being successful and getting it done? I think, um, the ability to pivot and like, just, you know, kind of head off those scenarios where you're just like, did not see that coming. Right. Like, and it's anything from, there was a 0% chance of rain and now it's raining to COVID and we're moving a wedding two and three times and changing locations and, and, you know, all of that. Like, um, I think like this pretty much everything happened with the wedding we did together, Right. (laughs) backing up a truck into a tent. Was that part of that part of the, uh, Um, responsibilities? That was a first. (laughs) That was definitely a first. Like, um, but you know, I just think it's like, um, one of those things when, when everything first started happening with COVID, it was, you know, this is my ninth year. So I am very used to not really getting rattled. Um, and then, or it taking a lot to rattle me, but it was like when all of the phone calls started coming in in March of my brides, just assuming I knew what to do and me being like, I don't know, but I'll figure it out, you know, like, and really it kind of made, I feel like it kind of made everybody a first year again. You know what I mean? Like, uh, let's, let's figure it out and see. And some people, very unfortunately, some people were like, nope, I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. Whereas there are other planners who were like, I'm going to learn everything that I can possibly learn and come back and like, help everybody else, you know, like, um, and, and we kind of chose to go that route, you know, like of just give us a couple of weeks, you know, like let us try and really deep dive in and learn everything that we possibly can. And then come up with ideas for like, you know, that wedding we did, um, for Hannah, it was like kind of that mentality of, this is not going to, we're not going to be able to deliver your 200 person wedding downtown Raleigh or, you know, whatever. I can't safely get you there, but what I can do is a beautiful wedding for 40 people, you know, or what we, you know, like 
the no doesn't have to be a period. It can be a semicolon, right? Like a, it's not plan A and that's okay. But what if we took all of that money that we were, you were going to spend on 150 people and really make it a personal, beautiful experience for just those people you had to have there. And it doesn't have to be like bad news. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. And I saw that opportunity when we did see a big shrink in weddings. I said, hey, let me find all the vendors that are really, you know, cool and awesome, but it's kind of maybe extra. And yeah. it's something you can something you can now do with the same budget <laughs> because each oh. guest is costing you anywhere from, I don't know, could be anywhere from 50 bucks to 300 <laughs> right? So if you shrink by 50 people, that's thousands of dollars right there. Um, and one of my favorites, I always, uh, I hopefully nobody feels um, left out because I always highlight this one vendor, but it's um, Caroline with Troublemaker Gelato. She has this little gelato cart and she makes this delicious gelato and it's like something extra. You wouldn't think about a gelato cart at your wedding and it doesn't cost that much to, to have her. I mean, compared to some other things, right? Like a Ferris wheel <laughs> costs a lot, a lot of money, but a gelato cart is not, it's not crazy, but it's something you can add that will ha- enhance the experience for the guests that do come and are, are invited. So, oh. so I, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big advocate for that. Like, Hey, you know, this, you don't, it's not about, I mean, yeah, you're compromising on the guest count maybe, but you can elevate the experience if you want to keep that same budget. So yeah, for sure. Definitely a big, um, big proponent of that. Speaking of, you know, things that are kind of interesting and different, you know, I love to hear from wedding planners that have been in the business for a while, which you have about trends that have either come and gone or ones that are happening now that you're like, no way in two years is anyone going to be doing that. <laughs> is there anything that comes to mind that, you know, you maybe 10 years ago, you know, you said you've been in business for nine. So roughly, yeah, eight, nine years ago, or maybe, yeah, anytime since you've started that you want to share uh, and have an opinion on, because I always love talking about this kind of stuff. Totally. It was, so when I started, it was all about the burlap and the mason jars. Like it did not matter it like now what's interesting to me is you still see burlap and mason jars like a table runner or whatever but when i started it felt like that was the thing to do right it was like are you going to have a ballroom wedding or are you going to have a wedding with burlap and mason jars you know what i mean it wasn't it, everyone did it and your flowers could be different or you know whatever so much so that like that's what my inventory was because even though that wasn't my favorite thing, everyone wanted it. So it was like, well, obviously I'm going to just buy it because then the biggest thing we see is like couples buy stuff for 20 tables and then they're trying to sell it on Facebook because they're never going to use it again. You know, like, so I was just like, well, sure I'll buy 30 of it. And then, you guys can use it like every weekend. And all of a sudden I was like a rental company, you know, (laughs) but everyone wanted the same thing. Whereas now no one wants the same thing, you know, like no one wants what their friend did two weeks before, or if they do, if their friend offers them anything, they want the item that like, no one's going to recognize, you know, everything is personalized. Now everything it's like, 
like Hannah and Jeff had the neon sign. Like that's been so big this year Mm -hmm. of like, and probably something that is not going to be super popular forever. And like, you know, I would be very surprised if I see like my couple's four years from now bringing home their first baby and like their neon sign from their weddings hanging in their living room. Like maybe it will be, but (laughs) probably it won't be. That's a funny image. Yeah. Probably (laughs) it won't. Um, But like, I don't know, you know, like whatever. Um, The, like the bar experiences have been very popular, you know, like in the last year or so, whether it be like, um, obviously like we got to work with you with the tap truck. Like there's a Rolls Royce truck that is in Chapel Hill. That is a similar aesthetic, you know, like, um, the, they have like the ones that are, Oh, we're an RV and also serve alcohol or we're this. And we yeah. also, and I think it's like that, um, that kind of that, physical movement of like taking your guests from one place to another as part of the experience that's been really popular of like, we don't want them to just be in one room or like herded from one room to the other while we flip everything and bring them back. You know, we want them to kind of like immerse themselves in it. And I think that, that things like that are going to continue. Yeah. Likewise. I, I, I was at the big fake wedding down in Charleston, you know, mm-hmm. in December, and there was a airstream that had been converted to a cigar bar. And oh, yeah, it was cool. He did a great job with it. And it was called Southern Smoke, I believe. Um, and one of the things that he mentioned during a panel we did together is that the couple commented on how nice it was for them to take a break in that before going anywhere else they were like just having that like stop meant so much to us rather than just being herded from one place to another you know just the couple themselves but also thinking about that from a a guest point of view and one thing i continually think about is that you know i think americans in the past i don't know 15 20 years have become so much more mobile than they were 30 or 40 years ago yeah. You know, like my mom has never left San Francisco Bay Area to to live. You know, she's always she grew up there and she went to college there and she lived there, right? Um uh same with my dad, you know, my dad LA, right? He like grew up in LA, he ended up moving back there. Whereas I feel like my our generation, you know, they're we're growing up somewhere else. We go to school halfway across the country. Yep. And then we go live in Austin, Texas or Chicago or you know, go date someone in England for a year or two. <laughs> like people are just all over the place now. And so when you do have a wedding and you do invite folks from all over, you know, you're you're not going to see them for another year or two or yeah. more. And so it becomes this experience, not just a ceremony, not just a rite of passage, but in an event, like a weekend long event. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, I, just kind of thinking back, I didn't go to a lot of weddings when I was a kid, but I, I can just imagine that, you know, you, you know, everyone, you see them every week. So the wedding is just like, it's a ceremony and it's dinner, right? Or even when my mom got yeah. married, it's a ceremony and tea and cake. <laughs> like, there's no, yeah. there's no party. Whereas now it's like, oh, I'm not going to see these people, these again. people yeah. right? Sure. So let's make it a big thing. Let's make it social. Let's make it long. It's not just going to be 
uh, a sit down dinner where we're stuck at a table with seven people we don't know. It's going to be, you know, a moving interactive experience, which um, I, I think is one reason why maybe the mobile bar scene has has blown up more, right? Because the bar has become more of a focal point um, or why you have these uh, like summer camps becoming wedding <laughs> venues, yeah. you know, which, which I love. I love the summer camp wedding just because of that, because you're stuck with everyone for the whole weekend rather than just having those and, and stuck in a good way. Um, instead of just having those three or four hours that you normally would. So right. um, I think it's, yeah, it's funny. You're, you're, you're talking about the, um, yeah, the, the being moved around from room to room or cocktail hours here and dinners over here. It's like, well, why not just open up the whole space and have it be interactive and fun? Yeah, for um, sure. So it does seem to be, a, and I, yeah, you're right. It's, we're not going to, we're only going to keep becoming, I think, more mobile. I mean, maybe it'll flatline. I don't know. I don't, who knows what's going to happen with this? this world in this country, but, um, but, but yeah. So, so what are, what are some cool things that you've seen couples do in regards to elevating the guest experience? You know, I talked about one thing that I really liked. Um, What's something that you've seen that, that people that's either been really popular with guests or maybe something really novel that no one even would think of. Yeah. Um, well, it wasn't a wedding that I planned. It was a um, my a friend of mine who's a florist. When he got married, um, he tells this story, and and it's what I learned kind of as a result of COVID is I gravitate towards those micro wedding stories where it's like super super elevated, right? Like that it's we've got twenty people and we're really going to blow it out. And I never we had one wedding that I planned probably five years ago. And it was my favorite one I ever did. And it was 19 people and it was in her backyard and they did like this tasting dinner. And if they had this big King's table and everybody just kind of like sat and drank and ate, and there was a different cocktail or drink that matched every course. Mm. And it was awesome. It was just like really cool. Um, but so that is, has always been the one that I've done that I've gone back to this year, the most of like proving like there are ways to make this really special. There are ways to make this really beautiful. You know, like, um, they didn't, they didn't opt for barbecue or, you know, something like to feed the masses. They opted for like prime rib and lobster because they had 19 people. Right. Yeah. My, my friend, Bill, who, um, got married, um, I think like 20 years ago now. So it was like totally a novel idea at the time. Um, him and his partner got married at Grand Central Station and they, they had train tickets made that were their invitations. And they came in like leather bound books, kind of like Polar Express style. And it had the platform that they were going to be at and everything and so they got married at Grand Central and then they had like a, um, a bus pick them up, like all of the guests and bring them around the city. And like, so bring them to Rockefeller Center. It was at Christmas. So they like brought them there to go ice skating and they brought them all around because it was like all of these people had come in and weren't necessarily like familiar with New York. None of them were from New York. So it was like Bill and Chris like showed them the city like at Christmas 
their way. And like, that was their reception and they had dinner and stuff and, um, and a cake cutting while they were at, um, while they were there, but then like drove around. And I was like, that is just such a cool thing. Like you talked about, like people being in town is like kind of being able to let them experience the town through their eyes. And, you know, like they tell, when they tell it, it's like all the, they focus on all the series of unfortunate events, right? They were like, well, there was so much traffic and there was this and there was that, (laughs) Yeah, you know, whatever. But I was like, still like, even if it goes wrong though, I mean, like stuff goes wrong on a wedding day all the time. So why would it be different if you're, you know, like, um, if you're making everybody relocate, um, but just like kind of those ideas that are just like so different. Um, and, and that's a wedding that I wasn't even in and I talk about it, you know, like, so you can imagine, those guests like that being so so memorable for them of like um a weekend that they would never forget and like that they were not hung up on the fact that there was 20 people there they were like this is so great that we were included you know in this um in this list exactly i mean that's that's interesting because i think a small guest count you know now that you mention it can almost be beneficial for your planning purposes i mean of course of course it's going to be easier, right? Like I, I had a, a prospective client ask me, um, Hey, do you know a brewery that could hold 150 people? I'm like, yeah, but it's not, <laughs> it's not going to be your guest. Like yeah. you, you like, that's not, you, you can't ask that. There's no, no, no one's, no brewery's going to shut down. If so, they're going to charge you 10 to 20 grand probably just to shut yeah. down. Right. And so we've had that pre COVID. We had that one time, um, in Raleigh and it worked only because the street that they were on, there was like six breweries, you know what I mean? And so it was like the, and they had like a partial day buyout. It was, it was like $10,000. Um, and they just had like a food truck that was just going to be designated for their guests. Mm-hmm. And the, they had their buyout, but the reason that it worked was because any of those regular customers, if they were showing up at this brewery and they were like, oh, they're closed for a private event, they can go across the street. You know what I mean? Instead of like, well, we drove here and you never want that mentality from a sales side of like, cause I used to do restaurant management and stuff. Like you never want that them to equate like, well, we would go there, but they might not be open. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, um, so a lot of brewers would straight out refuse to yeah, do that. Yeah, it makes it so hard because then people, it doesn't take long for them to say, never mind, I'm going to try something else. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the, you know, a, another example on the opposite side of a small wedding going out is that we were able to go to a, a bar, like a rooftop bar. Yeah. It was, um, it was actually a friender, like a wedding vendor friend. <laughs> Uh, her wedding, which I did with my with little baby Jack, the little cocktail yeah. cart. And after they had an after party after the reception. So uh-huh. we all went to a rooftop bar in Asheville and there was room for us <laughs> because yeah. it was 25 people, not a hundred. Right. So, um, you know, I think small, we're going to see, continue to see smaller guest count weddings into 2021 and for couples to, to think of it as an opportunity and not a punishment i think is a really good way to flip it mentally because 
Um, cause no one wants to feel that right on their wedding day. Yeah. Like, Oh, I couldn't have as many people as I wanted to. Well, flip it and say, Hey, now we can have a re- have something even cooler than what we were originally going to have because we have the same budget. So, yeah. um, I think that's a, you know, that's something to, to think about when people are planning these weddings, um, for 2021. So Megan, uh, I'm, I'm always curious what people enjoy most about their business when it comes to, you know, the, the ins and outs and the, um, yeah, just like what people enjoy the most. For example, I love the tastings. Like when you came in with your friends, even though you weren't a prospective client, you know, like just doing like sitting there with y'all and like trying different things and your friend who didn't drink, trying to mix something up for her, you know, with the sea lip. Um, like I find that to be one of my most enjoyable aspects of the job. So for you, you know, you have a lot of different hats, right? As a wedding planner, uh, what do you think is the most enjoyable part of your business? Yeah, um, I think that typically it is the fact that my job's never the same. Um, and I like am not built for a desk job, you know, like, um, and I'm totally fine with working insane hours every day, you know, like, um, as long as it's different and, um, really just kind of being able to not have those cookie cutter weddings, but to say, you know, this weekend we're going to have 50 people at like a villa and next weekend we're going to be 10 people on a boat, you know, and and the next weekend we're at a brewery, you know, like that it is so different. Um, and it forces like my brain to always be actively kind of like looking at ways to make that different. Um, and then like, honestly, I mean, I do definitely have a challenge of delegating to the girls. Like I've gotten used to saying like, this is your wedding this weekend, you know, like, and you guys go and handle like the weekend, but I will double and triple and quadruple check all of the facts before I get there, you know, and they're just like, we've got it. It's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Not a big deal. Um, But just like when I get that feedback back from like parents or couples or guests who are like, you know, Savannah was amazing. Or do you know how great Katie is that I'm like, yeah, I do. You know, and I love that. Like, you know, just the fact that they show up and like, they take the ownership and really like, um, treat it as if it's their business, right? Like they've got that invested interest in making sure that everything goes really well. And like, they'll go the extra mile. And then when I hear that back from people who like did not need to give me feedback, but went out of their way to do it, like it is what reminds me constantly that like, we've got the right people in place and like, it's worth all of the hours, you know, that we put into it to, to get people where they need to be kind of thing. Mm, Yeah, definitely. I think it's, yeah, it's definitely a thing of beauty (laughs) when you can send someone else, you know, represent your business and getting good feedback because it means you're, you're doing, doing things pretty well, you know, you've got the right people in place and the system set up. Um, so we've touched on this a little bit, Megan, but, uh, what advice would you have for couples getting married, whether, you know, they're in Raleigh or Asheville, um, cause I know you work all over the state, uh, but 
you know, what kind of advice do you think is, would be the most helpful for any couples that are listening in right now? Um, my thing, COVID or not, is to always have at the beginning of your planning process, a list of like your three priorities. So maybe that's going to be different for one partner versus the, the other, you know, like, um, is it great food? Is it that your grandparents are there? Is it, you know, like beautiful flowers, whatever. And like, have that in the forefront of your mind, not only when you're forming your budget, um, to, to be able to say like, okay, well, maybe this added, maybe a mobile bar is more expensive, a more expensive option than if we were to provide our own alcohol. But if that was very important to both of us, we should cut from other areas. You know what I mean? Like to make sure that that happens. Um, And I think that that's so important regardless, so that when the couple gets to their wedding day, they feel that they're reflected in that day And not just that, like, well, Wedding Wire told me that I should spend 30% on my venue. And so I did. And now I'm here. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, if that's not what you wanted, then why are we doing it? Um, But especially like with COVID, as we look at, I was chatting with one of our couples for next year who they were supposed to get married this year. We rescheduled to next year. And now we might be rescheduling again. And I, I asked, I was like, I need a list of what the three most important things are with COVID blinders on. Like, is it that we, we move forward if we have these 25 people or is it, we can't cut the guest list down from any more from 120 people. So we need to wait until we can have 120 people or is it, we just want to be married by the end of the year and whatever that looks like, you know, because I've got a Wednesday wedding this year because that's the category they fall into. You know, they're like, whatever, we're over it. We're done. It'll be 10 people. Fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and that's different for everyone. Um, but it's important for me to know. So I know how to advocate for them. Um, you know, like when we're chatting with vendors and we're chatting with the venue of just like, okay, we need to move this, but I know that they're willing to take a Friday or a Sunday versus, you know, we, they want to move it, but they have to have a Saturday. Are they willing to pay extra money? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so um, if I know what their priorities are and they know what their priorities are and, and we can focus on a couple of things, it kind of cuts out some of the overwhelm. Yeah, no, I love the idea of the three priorities. Um, I've heard that before, you know, pre-COVID planning. <laughs> um, just focus on your top three things, you know, kind of forget about the rest because it doesn't really matter, you know. So I've had people, yeah, like that. They're like, no, we need to have the grandparents there. So it needs to, we need to figure that out. Or some yeah. people that are just like, yeah, we, we want to get it over with. So so let's do it, you know, let's, let's make it happen no matter what, um, no matter, how, you know, the guest count or who's there. So yeah, I, yeah, it's interesting um, that I keep hearing that from all the planners. <laughs> Top yeah. Uh So Megan, what Sorry, do you have? Um, our, my dog just joined the, the interviews. So. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, she no worries. She woke up from her nap and was like at the door, like, what are, what are you doing? Why is this door shut? So. That's fine. Um, <laughs> well, the last question I have for you is, 
what do you have in works for the future? You know, I know you've been in business for nine years now. You have a great team of planners under the Magnolia Collective throughout the state. You know, what's next for for you and for the business? Yeah. Um, so I had originally thought, I mean, like before 2020, I really thought that this was going to be the year that all of the girls would really get to hone in on being the faces of these, the venues in their area, right. Of like Kendall lives in downtown Raleigh. Every, every time we have a downtown Raleigh wedding, she's going to be there. You know, like Katie is in Eastern North Carolina and she's always going to be there. And then COVID happened. And so most of those weddings moved and the weddings that didn't move, I took back a lot of them because I was like, you know, like we're down to 20 people and it's just going to be me, you know, for right now kind of thing. Um, and that like at the beginning of the year. So, um, next that's more kind of what our goal shifted to for next year. Um, and then, um, I'm also, I'm, I really want to see kind of where the girls are able to come into their own and, you know, take ownership and kind of like partner up with one or two venues to say like, um, and, and vendors to just say, what can we do to like make this new venue more um, you know, a better process for you or, you know, are, are you guys struggling with, um, wedding shows and you need some help there and just really kind of like focusing more on, um, we've been really fortunate that we're not new. And so being able to turn around and, um, help a lot more people who maybe are new and say, um, okay, we've seen this or, um, you know, this, this works better than that, or you might want to try this. We have the benefit of extra people that like, I can loan an extra hand whenever we can. And also the fact that the girls all have different skill sets, um, to just really say, you need to offer micro weddings to keep your lights on at this brand new venue, let's help with that. Or, you know, like just, and find opportunities there that like we can just kind of help get everybody through as much as possible um, and form some, some genuine friendships and relationships um, and then kind of see where the dust falls from there. You know, I, Richmond is definitely on our short list of like really expanding into that market. Um, so that is, uh, that'll be like an intentional growth process. Um, but right now I think it's very important for us to, um, be seen and recognized as, um, as resources to be able to help people wherever we can. Um, and, and just like strengthen numbers, you know, like our team fortunately is, vastly made up of people who literally went to school for this, you know, like, so they've got the training, they've got the, the basis to be able to say, like, let's get to work, you know? So, um, I'm, I'm really hoping that we're able to, to kind of use our strength as a team in that way. Yeah. And I think that's pretty powerful because they have experiences from all, all sorts of weddings and they have their own skill set. And I think that's something really, that's really impressive. You built that, that team up, you know, over time. Um, and I'm, I wish you luck in your expansion to Richmond. Um, I've actually never been to that city. So 
Thank you. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know what it's about, but it's so awesome. Yeah, that was so awesome. It's really cool. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Uh, well, thanks so much for your time, Megan. Uh, we will include you a link to your website uh, in the show notes so people can check you out if they're interested in um, talking to you about booking you. And uh, next time you're in Asheville, you know you can come by and get a drink at the tasting awesome. room. <laughs> thanks so much.